make it a real short message tonight. Don't quit. <laughs> you know, we're we're faced we're faced with so many opportunities to pack it in just to get frustrated and irritated and agitated and put off, disgruntled, offended. I can probably go on. There seems to be lots of those adjectives. How many, how many haven't been affected by any of the things I've said so far? You know, we have plenty of opportunity to take offense. I encourage you not to. It is so easy for us to lose perspective that in the grand scheme of eternity, the psalmist says that our life is but a vapor. Sometimes you need to take a breath. Sometimes you need to hold it. <laughs> Right? We just, you know, I, I will not be defeated, and I will not quit. And again, we have opportunities to do those. We could just, if you lay down and give up, you're defeated. You quit. You don't have to. Just think for a minute, you know, <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this, but we'll see what happens. I did prepare, I really did, but that's, that's not what's coming up. Ashton started uh, this evening with the, talking about, you know, the forgiveness. And it, and it becomes such a, I call it a hot button right now. Because it is so easy, it is so easy to take offense and to remain offended. Aren't you glad that God isn't like that? Because if he remained offended, you'd be crispy critter. It'd be dust, right? And he tells us that we are to be like him. So as he has forgiven us, we are to forgive others. And here, here's, here's, a, here's an ouchie for you. It doesn't matter whether or not the person that you are dealing with apologizes or not. Our forgiveness of them is not conditional to their response. Because if that was, if, if, if the same, you know, if, if it wasn't the case, then how would we ever be forgiven with God? He forgives us if we simply ask. Change direction but he is faithful to forgive. How many opportunities have you had today to exercise forgiveness towards someone else? Or to hold that grudge, that nudge, that irritation, or that bitterness? Bitterness is a poison. Not all poisons happen quickly. You can take poison and it can just eat away at you a little bit at a time. But whether it's a fast-acting poison or a slow-acting poison, the end result is the same. It's going to do you harm. So don't take any. 
Don't let what the enemy intends to do. You know, what he says, I know it's in these notes somewhere. We'll, we will get there. But it's the enemy's whole purpose, right, is to take our eyes off of God. It's to get us to take our eyes off of our Heavenly Father and His goodness and His intentions for us. His intentions are for good. He's, the enemy is going to try and tell us something different. That all this calamity has come upon you because. All this illness has come upon you because. All these challenges are coming upon you, whether or not it's financial, whether or not, when or not it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's psychological. He wants to convince you that God is not big enough. Well, he's the liar and the father of them. So we know one thing, if it's coming out of his mouth, it's not the truth. Our God is bigger than he is, despite what he's throwing at us. So, take encouragement. Don't quit. Don't give up. I, I, wrote, this, I wrote this out in... in uh, Again, not sure where it was going to fit in. And to be honest, to be completely honest with you, I'm not even entirely sure my math is correct. We'd worked it out once before, but, uh, but there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. I'm not 100% sold on my methodology, but the, 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 um, the point is going to be the same, regardless whether it digits or might not be completely accurate. We know that the Scripture says that one day with God is, is a thousand years. So thousand years equals 365,000 days. So 24 hours in God's day, right? One day, right? Is 8,760,000 hours. One hour, right? is 0 0.0146 of a day, or 127,896 hours, or 5,329 days, or 14.6 years. One hour, 14.6 years. Okay, One minute, 0 0.0167 of an hour. 2,135 2, hours, 88.96 days, or almost three months. One minute. One second, 0 0.0167, so again, 160th of, of a minute. 35.65 hours, or 1.48 days, one and a half days. All right, so the other, the another analogy that the, the analogy or or reference to time in the Bible talks about the length of length of our life. You know, not all shall not always strive with man. The time of man shall be 120 years. Right, 120 years to us is only 2.8 hours to God, if my math holds true. Right, feel free to correct the math. My teachers were doing it all through school, so <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> But just to give a point, you know, I started by saying life is but a vapor, right? 
So don't sweat it. Because in the grand scheme of eternity, even our life here on earth, if we live to be 120, is still only 2.88 God hours. So how significant is that last hour, really? You know, the stress and the agitation and the frustration and the hustle and the bustle and the struggle and the strain and the yeah, 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 as it go on. Yeah, don't, don't let it get you. Don't let it get you. Because if it gets you, it's got you. Don't let it catch. So, ironically, the timing before, I'd even planned to get into all that. The timing of the, the, the title of my message tonight is going to be Timing is Everything. What he says, when he says it. We seem to have the idea that we can do things any way we want to, any time we want to, as long as we do it. And I'm here to tell you that that's not quite the way it is. When God gives you detailed instructions, he doesn't expect you to follow most of the instructions or some of the instructions. We're going we're gonna to read through some scriptural examples of this in a minute. Now, make no mistake, right? I'm not talking about works here to get in good standing with God. I'm not talking about works here to get your salvation. I'm not talking about works here to get blessings. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about something even more important. Obedience. Now, that's a dangerous word in today's society because obedience, submission, you know, you get into that whole, oh, you're just legalistic. Well, there are laws that you're supposed to follow. There are physical laws that if you don't follow, they still apply. If I step off this without taking the middle step, I'm going to end up in a pile of hurt at the bottom of those steps. Gravity is a law, and it will work whether I choose to accept it or not. So when God says something, he doesn't say it just to be said. He wants us to follow it. Have you ever, most, most in here have had or have been around children. Have you ever noticed that they don't always do what you say? Have you ever had to teach someone to be disobedient? I don't think so. It just kind of happens. Sometimes it's, I'm sure it's to test our limits. Yeah, that's exactly it. Man's fallen nature. Well, <laughs> God recognizes that in, in, in the scripture. It says, man's nature is altogether wrong. Like from the very beginning, their intent is evil. How long shall I put up with them? Okay, let's do a couple of things here. So again, Father, we thank you.
for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your enduring loving kindness and your patience toward us. We thank you that every word that is spoken and written and printed and typed in your word is our instruction from you to help us to live the fullness which you have intended for us. So God's fullness. Do you ever get the idea that his fullness might be different than your fullness? If God says exceedingly abundantly, does that sound like there's any kind of limitation or reserve or any holdback or any condition? Yet we live so limited. We, we, we try to measure up. We try to earn. Now again, you've heard me speak before. You know that I've battled with a life full of performance orientation. Everything I have ever done always seemed to be conditional. You know, if I ever expected to get something, it was conditional on how well I did or how well I performed or how hard I worked or how long I worked. But that's not the way God works. But that's not to say that it's like anything goes. As long as you're confessing the Lord as Savior, well, you can do what you want and everything's ducky. Well, let's have a look at some of, our, uh, some of those that have gone before us and have been carved into our handbook, the book of life. Okay, I'm going to start in... Oh, hallelujah. Well, we're going to start. So we're going to start in uh, 1 Samuel 10. (laughs) 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 Mm, I'm just going to find out where in 10 we're going to start. So bear with me one second. Okay. First uh, Samuel 10, verse 7. We're just going to start. There's, there's, there's so much more that we're just, we're not going to have. We're, bare, we're going to scratch the surface. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to wet your appetite, okay? I hope. That's the prayer, that the word will go forth and wet your appetite to make you hungry and thirsty for more, to find out what it is that he's telling us. Right? So uh, Samuel... 1 Samuel 10, verse 7. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down, now he's talking to Saul, go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instruction. Okay, so this is the prophet Samuel talking to Saul. It seemed to me like it was fairly basic instruction. Was it not? Go to Gilgal, wait seven days. After seven days, he's going to give him more instruction. So if we turn over a couple of pages in my, in my Bible, uh, go to um, 1 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to go starting in, uh, well, we'll start in verse 7. 
It says that some of them crossed the Jordan and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal. Okay, so that was part of his instructions. Samuel had said, go to Gilgal and meet me there, right? And his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. Now, how long did Samuel tell Saul to wait? Seven days. Okay. As Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. So it's still only seven days. It doesn't say that another day has passed. Okay. So just hang on to that for a second. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul. So when is this happening again? We're talking seven days, right? We haven't talked, the scripture has not mentioned anything here about the passing of another day. So Saul waited seven days, but on the seventh day, he's getting impatient. So well, it's been seven days. Well, you know, what has it been? Six, six, six days, 24 hours and 10 seconds, 10 minutes, two hours. Like what's, what are, how many hours are we into the seventh day? It doesn't really tell us. Other than we know that Saul at this point is gripped with fear and his men also gripped with fear are starting to slide away. They're starting to disappear. He's watching his ranks get thinner and thinner. But just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. So somebody's a little bit in a hurry, a little bit impatient. All right. We're talking also here timing and obedience, all right? So let's catch the second bit here for a second. So um, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15, and we're not going to do all of it. Uh, I guess maybe I have to. 15, um, uh, starting verse 1. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king over his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek, opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go, catch it, here's the instructions. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, donkeys. It's a pretty long list. No exceptions there. Now, by today's standards in our culture, this is kind of pretty offensive, right? But we're talking that, you know, we're talking Old Testament times here, and I'm not even going to begin to try to speak into the culture or what was going on, whether it's right or wrong. I'm just, there's were the instructions, okay? So Saul mobilized his army. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to, down to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, move away from where the Amalekites live or you will die with them. 
For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came from Egypt. And then, verse 7, Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to shore east of Egypt. He captured Agag. Okay, so wait now. He captured Agag. Did we read anything in the previous verse about capturing, or did it talk about destroying? Okay, so it's not just me, right? It did say destroy, right? Okay, just just checking, all right? Um, But completely destroyed everyone else. All right, so part right. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. Was that part of the instructions? No. Oh, here comes the juicy part. Okay, verse 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, he went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. So somebody thinks they did what they were told to do. (laughs) Then... What is all the bleeding of the sheep and the goats and the lowing of the cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. Uh, gulp. Uh, it's true that the, army, the, that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, Saul admitted. But they were going to, we are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. Uh Uh-oh, big gulp. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself and are not a leader of the tribes of Israel, the Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Saul's not done, though. He says, but but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag. That wasn't part of the mission. But I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep. He's blaming, blaming the army again, right? The cattle and the plunder to sacrifice the Lord your God at Gilgal. And it goes on. Samuel replied, what is more pleasing, right, to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Watch out, this one's going to sting. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord... He who has rejected you as king. He's only rejected him as king, right? He hasn't rejected him as a man. So we're not talking about, in the, you know, if I can kind of bring it forward a little bit into kind of New Testament speak, right? He's not losing his salvation, but he is losing his position. 
because he has compromised based on not following the instruction. John 17, verse 1. We're going to read a couple of verses because it's important to hear from Jesus in all this too. I don't, I don't want you to walk out of here just hearing my voice. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. We're walking, we're walking into, into times where it's really important to do what we're asked to do the way we're asked to do it when we're asked to do it. Discernment is going to be paramount. Right? But if we're not set apart if we're not somehow different than what the world is doing, then what's the difference? If we're doing everything just the way the world does it, other than the fact that we know where we're going at the end of our life, when we breathe our last, right? Don't you want to walk into the fullness now and the hereafter? I'd rather walk in the fullness than walk in the quarter fullness. I'd rather walk in the, in the more than enough than just not quite it. I want to walk in the full anointing. You know, the, 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 the walking past in the shadow, healing people as I walk by anointing. The greater things than these will you do anointing. Does it affect, at the end of the day, does it affect my salvation? I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. I'm forgiven. But what we do beyond that gets into what I'm talking about now. If we're going to exercise the great world-changing events that are going to happen with the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, our pipes have to be clean. Now, we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. I got news for you. Ain't going to happen. Not on this side of heaven. There was one perfect man. They crucified him. He was sinless. We're not. We can try to be, but then there's the whole, when we try, then there's human effort involved. That's a whole nother message I don't have time to get into tonight. I'm still working that one out too, by the way. You know, it, it's the trusting in the Lord. You know, you, 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 you um, I use my fish analogy, right? You don't catch a fish already pre-cleaned and ready to fry, right? A fish, a fish has to be attracted, has to be caught. Well, once it's up on the shore of the boat, then there's prep that has to be done. John 17, verse 1, this is a prayer of Jesus. It says, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you gave him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They are always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it 
and now that I come from you, and sorry, and know that, that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, they are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name, now protect by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of, your, of the name you gave me, guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Verse 13, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they could be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice to them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, all right, ears up, antennas up, everybody, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. It's a mouthful, isn't it? But that's, that's the purpose, right? That the world would know the same. So, you know... <laughs> Yeah, that was page one. <laughs> I got 14 pages. Guess, guess, guess what we're not getting to. <laughs> I, I, it never ceases to amaze me. Praise the Lord. You know, I always get concerned that I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't know what to say or I wouldn't have the right thing to say or I wouldn't have enough. You know, I don't ever want to come up shallow and I don't want to come up short. Right? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to the privilege 
that I have to be able to come and, and, and stand and minister God's Word. But each and every one of you, you know, when we, when we go about our daily, and it doesn't matter whether we're standing in front of students or whether we're standing at the top of a ski hill or whether we're in a shopping mall or sitting behind a desk or whether we got our nose stuck into the burn of a furnace or a face stuck into an unflushing toilet or a, or a, a boiler that's not working or a, a air gun that's not triggering or saws that aren't cutting and trees that aren't falling and things that aren't doing what they were created to do. We are an example of Jesus. We are created in the image of God every breath we take. Someone, somewhere, is always watching. I don't say that to put, to put any condemnation on you. You know, like, we miss it. Yeah, it happens. But see, we have an advocate with the Father, and we can, forgive, we can ask to be forgiven. And unlike our own nature that tends to whole forgiveness with some kind of reservation or restriction or condition, God's love is unconditional. His forgiveness is unconditional. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He wants us to be exceedingly abundantly full of his presence so that when we walk into a room full of worldly darkness, the world senses his light. It may be operating through us. It's not us. But we are the vessel. Just like if I carry a bucket full of water, the bucket isn't the water. But the water is in the bucket. I can't carry the water without the bucket. Be the bucket. Be a full bucket. Which would you rather have? A bucket with an inch or a bucket with... 16 inches. I'd rather be the full bucket. Let it spill over as I carry it around. See, we can put the limitations on how much he can fill us by how obedient we are to him and how obedient we were to the last thing he asked us to do. Every jot and tittle. <laughs> Glory to God. Genesis 6, 5 says, uh, we, won't read, we won't read all of these, believe me. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe his human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I made them, but Noah, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So in the midst of a depraved culture, society, Community, city, province, country, globe, right? Will you be a Noah? Put yourself in his situation for a minute. It's going to rain. They didn't even know what rain was. 
you imagine you can hear the conversation of the neighbors now, can't you? Noah, you're nuts. Come on, have fun with us. Party on, bro. No, I got an ark to build. And then I got to go collect a bunch of animals. And I'm sure Noah was saying, animals? You know what comes out of the other end of the animals? In a boat? For, for how long? <laughs> how long can you tread water? <laughs> I, I want to I be obedient. I want to do what he says, the way that he says it. I don't want to go and get it almost right. I want to do, don't want to go and destroy everything I'm supposed to destroy, but the king. I'm going to keep the king. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna torture him later on. We're going we're gonna to sacrifice him later on. Yeah, that's not what was told. Destroy him. Not scuds and feathers. All of it. Genesis 8.20. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed his burnt offerings, the animals and the birds that he had approved for the purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood. <laughs> so this is after the flood. <laughs> I will never again destroy all living things. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Okay. A couple of abridged versions. Like I said, I've got tons, tons. We talk about the fallen nature, our ability to automatically do things wrong. So the children of Egypt are in the wilderness, or the children of Israel from Egypt are in wilderness. That's what happens when I don't read. <laughs> they're complaining. They're murmuring. I remember a skit in Bible school, murmur, murmur, complain, complain. And it, I, I, I still see them do it. I couldn't even begin to do it if I tried, but it was it just one of those phrases that, that comes to me. Murmur, murmur, complain, complain. Right. They wanted something to eat. So the Lord gave them manna. He said, every morning, for five days, right? Collect one day's worth. Don't keep any for overnight. Pick enough for the day, and all will be good. What's the first thing that they did? The first, the first day, at the end of the day, what were they doing? They kept stuff and left it over. So there's disobedience number one. He just finished telling them, don't keep anything overnight. It's going to stink in the morning if you do. Except on the sixth day. On the sixth day, collect enough for two days, but in the morning, it won't stink. It won't rot. There won't be any manna in the morning. So don't go looking for it on the seventh day. What did they do? Go looking for it on the seventh day. It's like, duh. And we think we think we we have we have this foolishness to ourselves. We are not the inventors of it. We didn't come up with it first. It has been a long line of it. We are no exception to the rule. We have these tendencies that are just kind of there. But don't let that 
define you. This is the good news. It doesn't have to define us. We don't have to leave it there. We don't have to quit. We don't have to get all bummed out because we missed it. We simply need to go to the Father and say, Lord, I missed it. I blew my opportunity to be a good witness today. I reacted in a way that was not becoming a child of the Most High King. Forgive me. And he will. It's as simple as that. And we, sometimes we carry around the guilt for being wrong or bad as if we invented the process and that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for us. It was, it is, and we didn't. We didn't invent it. Right from the garden. Right from God's own mouth. We heard them. Man, these guys, what was I thinking? Everything they come up with is evil. They're just bad. But he said he would never wipe us out again. There was a faithful man in the midst of it all. Be, be that faithful man. Be that faithful woman. Be obedient. Do what he says. Even if it looks, sounds, or feels ridiculous. Because building an ark, which is a big boat, the size of a football field in a desert doesn't make any sense. But look what happened. And there is so much more, but not tonight. Father, I thank you again. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for your faithfulness and for your showing us showing me continually the measure of your love and your grace towards us. We thank you that you have fully equipped and made every provision imaginable for us. Things that we can't even ask or think. We thank you that there is no limit. Just like the children of Israel, when they, were, when they were griping and complaining in the desert that they got bitten by snakes, all they had to do was look at that bronze serpent and you administered healing. That same power of that creative God is still moving in our midst. You haven't changed. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that whatever it is, anybody needs that is here within the sound of my voice in this building and out in the streams and in the web that your spirit will reach out and touch quicken our mortal bodies with that same spirit that raised christ from the dead thank you lord life changing life giving words truth and love will exceed from our mouth, will emanate from our very being as we go about our daily walk. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.